This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer, beer culture, our adventures and discussing the topics that are reverberating around the beer community. This is Belonging. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Welcome back gents. How are we both doing? Superb. Yeah, doing good, thanks. Much better than you sound, Steve. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apologies in advance if there is Someone's any croaking. Been on a it's not been, been on, on a bender. bender. I've just got a cold, but I've also been on a four-day bender, bender yeah, as, yeah. As, as, as well. So hopefully we'll get through this. And I'm pretty sure that the first drink that I've got tonight may help me as well. Uh, Rehydrate, Steve. That's what you need to do. That's 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 what we need to do. Yeah, but let's well let's 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 just jump straight into that shall we from the shelves from the shelves from the shelves and let me start off with the first beer because mark sent me i keep calling them beers one of them's not a beer mark sent me two drinks uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh one of them and i've been told that i have to drink them both as as well so i'm going to bookend this segment this month i'm going to start and finish with both of my delicious drinks uh the, the first one that he sent to me is from Northern Monk. It's called Holy Hop Water, and it's a 0% Sabro-infused sparkling water. There we go. <laughs> getting, getting you rehydrated. Yeah, get hydrated, yeah. Perfect. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, and I thought, you need the water, and what's Steve's favourite hop? Well, and it's just infused with it purely. See, I was confused earlier when Mark said he was drinking the same and lifted his glass up. I thought, well, that's a glass of water. And now I understand. Yes, exactly. I've I've put myself through this treatment and uh, I found it quite refreshing. Steve, how do you find it? it, it it's it's sabrorific, um, but it is it is actually very refreshing. But then I, I do I do enjoy sparkling water in anyway. Um mm. and um I've I've actually been wanting I'm, to try the use for some real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in water. <laughs> um, no, I've actually been wanting to try one of these for for a while because they've been doing these for a while, haven't they? Now, not Northern yeah, Monk. Yeah, well, there's certainly been certainly a few out this year. Uh, spark, sparkling waters made with different varieties of hops, um, and it's also the first one that I've tried. To be honest, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't think it'd be any good or work. Um, especially based on some of the terrible um, cloud water experiments from a few years ago, but I, I it smells just very lemonadey, and then I don't know, just tastes just refreshing. I wouldn't say I would get anything Sabro specific. I don't know whether you do, Steve. I, I'm, I'm getting probably the, the subtlest hint of like coconut on the finish, but it's not it's not overpowering. Um, I think if if you if you served me this and 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 didn't tell me it was hop water, I'd think it was just like a flavored sparkling water. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, yeah, it it does what it sets out to do, which is fine as a thing. I 
I can't remember how much I paid for it, but let's put it this way. Always going to ask her. As, yeah, as sparkling water goes, you still wouldn't replace your glass of sparkling water with this. Although, you know, maybe if you are in a pub environment, you'd feel slightly different. Um, so that was that. We, we should we should explain that this segment is about us all sending each other a beer, which Steve's horror at having to go into two beers this month made him forget to mention. Um, so, Rob, what have you been sent by Steve? Well, I've actually been sent something that looks absolutely delightful. It's uh, from, hang on, what's it's the brewery growing concerns or the beer? No, the beer's growing concerns, and it's from Baron, and it's an eight point five percent red double IPA, which I love a red IPA and I love a, a double IPA, but I don't think I've had both together before. So mm. yes, I'm diving in. Yeah, that's just that, 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 um, it's it's, be, it's it's better than coconut water. Oh, that's that is wonderful. Citra, Idaho Seven, and HBC Six Thirty, whatever that is, whatever it is, it's good. Yeah, this is this is delightful. What's yeah, the brew, Baron? Where are they from? Yeah, well, well t- tell me about this beer, Steve, that you picked up for me. They're in, uh, I believe they're Hertfordshire way. Um, oh, yes, I can see the address. They're fairly, um, very small batch stuff, um, and, and I think largely um, kind of brew one-offs rather than have, having any sort of core range. Well, I should brew this one again. I, I, I picked that up for Rob because it was, for, for those of our listeners that support us on Patreon, that's the uh, that's the beer that Russ mentioned when when we spoke to him. That that oh, he, he tried. No. So I um instantly went out and bought it, and the big five hundred mil can as well. It is a big can, yeah. So you, you get a little bit more for a little bit more for your buck because I, I thought obviously you know after sending Mark six hundred and sixty mils of delicious rice lager last <laughs> month, it was only it was only fair to to buy five hundred for you, Rob. Much appreciated. So, Mark, I I sent you a beer this month. Uh, what have you got in your glass? Uh, you have. Um, you've also very kindly thought about things that I like because you've gone for a West Coast IPA. Yeah, that's a bit boring, wasn't I? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to try a bit harder to. Um... No, no, th- this is absolutely <laughs> fine. This is absolutely fine. It's from Azvex Brewing Company. Definitely not Alpha Delta, even though they have stole their logo and changed it up slightly. Yeah, which is why <laughs> for ages I was like, but I thought this brewery was in Newcastle. Yeah. And I realise that that's where Alpha Delta are, aren't they? Yeah. 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 And the logo is so similar and I still get them mixed up. Mm-hmm. The A at the beginning of the name doesn't help either. But yeah. Azvex are Liverpoolian based. I mean, I think... Were they were they part of the Ukrainian beers that we talked about with Sarah? Perhaps I believe um, they were. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a West Coast IPA which smells so much like Simcoe that I thought I'm going to pick it up <laughs> and see if there's Simcoe involved, which there is. It's Mosaic Simcoe and Columbus. Um, it's all Simcoe on the nose. I, I think West Coast IPAs that have Mosaic in can't help but feel then start to feel in the mosaic starts to dominate so that middle ground that mountain ipa kind of thing that people go on about mm. is where the finish is 
So even though it's all Simcoe on the nose, it's got something really juicy on the finish, which is really nice, but it then kind of stops it being super bitter, which is obviously what I really, really like in a West Coast IPA. It's absolutely delicious. Um, if if I was tasting it blind, I'd prob- possibly say, oh, this is one of those mountain IPAs in the middle, which, by the way, there's absolutely nothing wrong with anyway. Just call IPAs IPAs and stop putting them into categories and everybody will be fine. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's lovely. Um, have you had it yourself, Rob, or did you just pick yeah. it off the shelf because it sounded good? No, no, I picked one up for me as well, but it was it's my first time that I've had an Asbex beer, actually, so I think it's a good one to start with. It's um, lighter in colour than perhaps some West Coast, some of the more multi-West Coast IPAs, but it's probably about the same colour that a lot of people expect. But I I do like just a bit more biscuity malt in, in, in my West Coast IPA. It's yeah. very golden, but I will say whilst mm. you were just talking, I've just had two huge gulps that were both really bitter. So maybe as it settles that, Bitterness is really coming through. It's, it is very, very nice. I've not had loads by Aspects. I think it's been a bit hit and miss, so they're not a brewery that I always seek out. Um, but I've also not had loads by them. Um, for well, me, this one's very nice. Yeah, for me, trying that for my first experience of an Aspects beer, I'd definitely um, seek out their beers again. Yes. Accomplished brewing, which is what it is. Um which brings us back, we should point out to anyone that maybe has either forgotten in the last month or <laughs> is just tuning into this episode. Last month, Steve kindly sent me a beer that I chose from a board that he sent me, of um, which was a, a rice lager, which was predominantly made with Sabro hops, which wasn't the hop that I minded before, but it was so prominent in that beer that it was... Literally revolting. <laughs> it was Sereti. No, it was Sereti Ace, mate. It Sereti Ace, was it? Wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Sabro. Was it, it wasn't even Sabro. <laughs> no, it was Sereti Ace. You, like you've obviously, you've obviously wiped all memory, memory of it. No, even I've remembered it wrong, but I just remembered that Steve hates Sabro, so I went on a revenge mission this one. <laughs> That's not what um, this segment is supposed to be, Mark. Of course it is. <laughs> and I thought it'll, or it certainly will be henceforth. So. Change, yeah, Mark Johnson changing the narrative. <laughs> we're, we're all going to hate the beers that we get sent. So I sent Steve two beers. One of them was a Sabro-infused sparkling water, so it wasn't even a beer. And the second one was, Steve, what have you got? I have got a 8% double IPA called what Poems. What a generous bloke I am. <laughs> uh, and it's a collaboration between Beak and Verdant. Superb breweries. And it's uh, <laughs> it's just completely Sabro, isn't it? It's, it's, <laughs> it's um, I, I, read, I read the description of it on untapped and and i got as far as the phrase it tastes like a coconut marshmallow <laughs> and that's where the capital letters started getting used in in messages <laughs> um fuck's sake mark jesus double ipa that tastes yeah. like coconut marshmallow it's what everybody wants surely <laughs> well it's bad, it's bad enough that it's a, a baked beer because i, I bought steve a, a baked beer that didn't end up being used for a show recently, and um, uh, Johnny Beer Boy shared me what he'd put on 
on on tapped about it and I had a good laugh about that because I knew he wouldn't enjoy it because <laughs> it's just going to be a soft yellow beer. So I imagine is that a soft yellow beer you've got there? It, it yeah. is a what's the, what's the phrase that's used overused quite a lot? The pillowy. It's a, <laughs> it's a pillowy <laughs> yellow. Oh, that's fair. That that oh, that, 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 that that's that is slightly fermented orange juice. Um, yeah, it's uh, thanks, Mark. It's delicious. <laughs> oh, please tell us what you actually think. I'm quite I happy to. I, I, I don't. I don't feel like you really means that. <laughs> God, it really okay. does look like pulpy orange juice. <laughs> it is like it's it's like drinking fruit and I, juice. And I bet that you're a smooth orange juice kind of person, aren't you, Steve? I am. I don't like bits. Yeah, I thought that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, it is. It is just like drinking um, fruit juice. Uh, there's some. There's a little bit of mango. Some some tropical stuff. To be fair, that the sabro isn't overly prominent in there. I'm certainly not getting the coconut marshmallow that I was promised, which I'm a little bit disappointed about now. <laughs> oh, well, funnily enough, I disagree because I, w- I would say um, I'm not a you know a massive New England fan, but so many rubbish. But when it, one is well made, I can appreciate it. And I would mm-hmm. I, I thought when I had this one myself. It was an example of, I thought, oh, you see, if you like this kind of beer, you are absolutely going to love this. Because I think the phrase that's used on the back is reminiscent of pina coladas. Um, and that's where that kind of like, and I was drinking it thinking exactly that. I was like, there is something in here that's this sort of milky coconut kind of mm-hmm. flavor. It reminds me of pina coladas and it does. So if you like that style of beer, I thought this, you, this must be. I, I believe it does have a four plus rating on Untapped if you care about such things. So it is a well made beer, but I it doesn't. If you don't like it, <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you're a fan of that style of beer, you can understand from Steve's utter disdain that you will like that beer very much. <laughs> don't um, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm, I, I never for a minute was was suggesting that it's a bad beer. Oh um, no, no. As, as you said earlier, you Mark, just, you just hate it with all it's, your being. <laughs> it's it's accomplished brewing. Uh, I, I, I mean, you, you know, the two breweries involved in this. This is what they've basically set their stalls out with is is this style of beer so you would hope the two of them coming together would produce something that as again as you say it's that people that love this style are going to absolutely love this personally it does nothing for me it's like it's like drinking fruit juice even if there was just um just a little bit of 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 bitterness on the end of it i don't need mouth puckering business bitterness i just need like just a little bit you know that like the pithy orange peel the inside of an orange that sort of thing yeah. to it just just a little something to finish it off you just but want to i want to know i'm drinking something you want a little smack in the face just a little smack the thing is i actually i completely agree with steve it's mm-hmm. not anything that i would choose again but also i was like this is perfectly well made like Great brewing, just not for me whatsoever. And we're absolutely, we're absolutely fine with that. It's, it's like going yeah. back to the, our, our talk about putty and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. a few months, a few months ago. Although, let's be honest, I bought it as a joke because the description of it is just everything that Steve hates in an IPA. It made me giggle. It made me giggle when he opened it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I hope the rest of your beers suck. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I did, uh, no, no, is this just your bitterness coming through from last month? Well, you yeah, had let, let's three be honest. Shit beers. That was completely. Uh, Mark did that to himself, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't even blame Steve for the first one. <laughs> but thank you for buying me such a lovely beer this month, Rob. Really appreciate it, mate. Uh, it's no problem, Mark. I mean, I just want you guys to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and thank you for my two drinks, Mark. I uh, very much appreciate the, the cash, skill the cash value, gone, yeah, the, the, the ridiculous value. amount of money I spent on you this month, and, and yeah. the skill that has gone into brewing this second beer, the uh, the poems <laughs> double IPA. While I enjoy my way through the rest of this beer, and maybe go back to my sparkling hot water. As, as as well. Let's have a little chat about what we've been up to this month. Adventures. Rob, do you want to uh, fire away? What 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 have you been up to? You've got a sort of face on you that suggests <laughs> nothing again. Oh, oh, uh, uh, let's. Uh, yeah, I did one thing, I guess. Um, yeah, I I went to. Um, I went to go and see Rhiannon Giddens at Birmingham Town Hall. So I did go into uh, Brom early for that. And my plan was to go to the new attic um, the barrel bar that had opened because they were giving away some free points. And and it was the first day being opened, so I wanted to check it out. But I didn't end up getting there because I was just a burning soul um, and then ran out of time. So, yeah, I... I I hadn't been there for ages, so it was nice to uh, hang around and drink a few of their beers and then go to Birmingham Town Hall and try to get in using the, the wrong ticket for something that's not going to happen until November. So that was fun. So, yeah, no, not not too much has happened this month for me, I'm afraid. That that attic uh, place that you mentioned, so this is this is a, a secondary venue yeah. to where, where we went last summer. Yeah, so obviously the, the brewery is in the Sturchley area of Birmingham, in South Birmingham, but this one is um, a jewellery quarter, pretty much. So it's much closer to the what you would think of as the centre of Birmingham. So it's about, say, 10-minute walk from New Street Station. Okay. So I haven't been there yet, but everyone's, everyone who did go seemed to uh, think it was nice. And it's just by the name of it, it's... So it's it's where they've got all their barrel aging stuff going on. But is that all they serve, or do they? No, no. It's just operating as just a, another attic bar, but it is just a a, a barrel storage space for them. Uh, so, uh, Mark, I, I think I've seen you out and about a couple of times. The ongoing train problem. Mm. Well, in my area, it's not. It's literally not even strike based. The the trains just don't run even when strikes aren't happening. It's just an absolute joke at the minute. So I've struggled to get to loads of places recently, um, which led to me having just a, almost a strop walk from my front door. I was just like, I'm going, I'm finding, going, finding some pubs, which involve me walking for hours and hours in quite extreme heat through fields of. Meadow and stuff, but I ended up in Marple, um, which it's one of those places where I feel like I, I know quite a few beer people in the Greater Manchester region sort of live in that area, but they don't talk about Marple very much. And there's some wonderful pubs there, including one called the Northumberland Arms, which is a community-owned pub where Sonoma Sonoma 
is on permanently on cask. That sounds amazing. And it's a gorgeous pub as well. And I was like, why why is is like if I lived in Marple, this is clearly my regular and why is this not spoken about more on social media? Yeah, yeah. I know um, people love Manchester, but if I lived in Marple, I wouldn't I wouldn't be bothered if I if I could just go and drink tracks and armor in my local. Absolutely. And yeah, and there's various gorgeous places. There's a a place that I have seen mentioned on Twitter, but I don't I don't think it's been hammered home. It's called the The Samuel Old No, which is a reference to some local person from history and merit. Um but it is the most gorgeous micro pub I've ever been in. They've it's if 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 you did strip things away, it is literally just a shop, but they have put as much things in there to make it feel like it's a pub that's existed for 150 years. So I absolutely adored it. Um, so that was a wonderful day out. Um, and the past weekend, there was a local couple of beer festivals in Glossop, which is the nearest town to me. Um, one of them held at the most local football club. Um the I the most interesting beer on was Jaipur. Let's put it that way. It was one of, one of those kind of local <laughs> beer festivals, and even the people behind the bar were like, "There's there's, there's some nutcases here today that have, have 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 even gone for that that strong one at the end." Referring to Jaipur, honestly, like, <laughs> they're, they're going to have a fun day, aren't they? God, imagine that. Um, so it was that kind of beer festival, but because we were just in the middle of. A, the the non-league stadium that uh, it was all set out on the playing field which is quite a high up field anyway and it was a gorgeous day the atmosphere was very pleasant it was enjoyable i was on marbles north south which is like a 4.2% west coast pale which i don't really have much memory of anyway i mean that sold out first because everybody was on it, it was absolutely gorgeous and later in the day, we went over to Torsai Brewery for their monthly tap, which was great for, and we will talk about that soon in the episode <laughs> for various other reasons. But there was a beer called Persist and Resist, which was a collaboration with Torside and Mark Johnson. And it was tasting really, really good, even though it's still a few months old. So well worth seeking out. <laughs> <laughs> Always one to, uh, or never one to miss an opportunity to self-promote. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, it's yeah. totally fantastic that 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 time that I put the hops in a in a big something or other. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did it really well. Steve, what have you been up to this month, mate? Uh, I went to Mount Mowbray uh, for a cheese festival actually, um, which was held on the same site where Round Corner Brewing are. So, so, so for people that know Round Corner there, basically their taproom is is right in the middle of what is the livestock market at, at Melton Mowbray, and that the, the, the whole venue does certain events every year, and they they, they did this, this cheese festival, and it's probably fair to say that I've never seen so much cheese in one place. Uh, it was It was everywhere. <laughs> Um, but we had had the, the 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 foresight to, and I couldn't understand why more people hadn't done this. Um, so, so we basically arrived with a bag with a few boxes of crackers in it. We went round, we selected some cheeses, we went and found a bench out in the sun. We bought beers from the tap room, and we sat and had be- cheese and beers. 
all, all afternoon. And I just don't understand why more people weren't doing that. It was it was perfect in in the sun, but amateur um, hour. I know, I know these these people, but um, it was it was interesting because, like, like I said, it was, it was predominantly cheese. So there, there there was a few other little sort of like things there, but also um, Tint Meadow were there. So so they had oh, like that um, they had a stand, like they had a stall, but it wasn't it wasn't the monks. It was kind of salespeople that will work for the brewery now, which I found quite oh, interesting. God, oh, Breaking the illusion. What's that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I know, but it, it meant that I got to, uh, because they were doing kind of a uh, sort of cheese fair special price on the, 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 the beers, which basically meant if you bought a box of 12, uh, you actually ended up getting them cheaper than you could buy them at the actual monastery itself. So I was like, well... I'm going to take a box of 12 Tint Meadows then, and they're going to sit I'll in tell the you what, they'll be cellar. lovely with some cheese then. Exactly. Yeah. Ex- exactly. That that was our thinking. We never quite got to it, though, because I was too busy drinking um, all of the delicious round corner beers. But I, I will just say that um, we did also have a wander around Melton Mowbray itself uh, the day before the, the, the cheese festival. So we got there on the Friday. We are there right through until Sunday. Um and yeah, not a lot of places to drink in in Melton Mowbray. How many pork pies did you consume? None, zero oh. pork pies on, oh. on on this trip. There were um two two bars to mention. Uh, one called Charlie's, which was like little micro pub. Um, nice little place. Uh, eight keg lines and then a, a, a range of cans, and they were obviously supplying. They had a permanent round corner lines on on in there as well. Uh, the, the only thing I'd say about that place was it was quite difficult f- to find because it actually wasn't that the outside of the shop didn't didn't say that it was Charlie's Bar. It, it still had the previous branding on it from when it was like a, a, an Ironmongers or something like that household goods. So, but but that was a, a, a lovely little bar. And then um, we found somewhere that sold uh, Everard's on on cask and had a couple of pints of that, and that was that was tasting pretty delicious. Actually, some nice local cask beer. But for me, I think the the kind of the beer of the weekend was I I fell in love with um round corner had this beer called drovers which is a hazy vermont session ipa and i absolutely fell in love with it that weekend it was it was 4.3 percent and with the weather as it was it was quite warm it was just like the most refreshing thing just just to be drinking and at, at that abv as well it means you can just sit and just literally pint after pint of it i was gonna say i remember um buying a box from round corner for the first time probably two or three years ago possibly based on them being on opinions and drovers was definitely in there and was a lovely beer then so it's been around for for a while in fact and as soon as you said vermont session ipa i was like that was the one yes i remember that but but yeah so that's that that, that's that's probably the one highlight um for for me really i did have quite uh a long bank holiday weekend on it as well but that was that was just drinking around colchester and i can't bang on about that and every episode of the podcast that we do (laughs) i just keep going to the same place and drinking the same things How, how are we all getting on with our first drinks long gone yeah, and mine's pretty much gone. How about yours, Steve? Yeah, I've almost finished it. He's had a quarter. He's lying. Just going to move that over there. I I want to drink my next beer now. Yeah. 
I've just poured mine and it is gorgeous. What have you got, what? Rob? I have got the um, Elusive Brewing and Unbarred Corvallis Extra IPA. So this it, this looks like my exact style of like West Coast IPA. It's got. A oh lovely, my god! I actually meant to yeah, mention in lovely my lovely amber color to it. In the in the last segment, I did make, need to mention a couple of beers that I've really enjoyed this month, um, and the beer that Rob's about to have was one of them. So I'll let him mention it instead. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This is just my exact style of IPA. This is just wonderful. What's it? Seven point four percent. It's just, just that. I'm all about the balance, and it's just got that perfect malty, and then just hoppy bitterness. It's got all the good hops in it. What hops has it got in? Does it? Does it tell me? All the good ones. You just said that. Yeah, yeah, it it really has. This this is a sort of beer that reminds me of my favourite beer in the world, Odell IPA. Yes, it yes, is. yes. Oh my, oh, this is just. Why have I only got one can of this? I mean, I need to go to the shop and buy all of these. <laughs> it is just that good. I had, I had a chance to try that at the weekend, and I just ran out of time. And now I want to go back in time. And yeah, you have let yourself try. down in a bad way there. This yeah, is... there, there, there were two, two beers out this month, and I was going to mention them in the last seg- segment that reminded me, that I've absolutely loved, because they reminded me of just the epitome of West Coast IPAs, which is Dogfish Head. But one of them was a collaboration with Dogfish Head because yeah. it was Northern Monk Hop City beer. And the other beer that I thought of was like an Odell IPA. It reminds me of Odell IPA so much, which was the beer that Rob's drinking. And I'm so glad that he said it as well because I was as soon as I drank it, I was like, that's exactly what this beer is. It's absolutely incredible. Honestly, I, I cannot emphasize enough how good this beer is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look at the smile on his face. He's, you can hear it in his voice oh, as well. Oh, he's so happy. Honestly, Absolutely it's, it's so good. good. This is the reason why I'm a weird person who spends hours thinking about beer because this is just a. Oh, man. Oh, I've run out of words now. I'm just so happy. It was an absolutely super. I mean,. Their West Coast IPA is obviously a brilliant anyway, but they're more on the the British side of it <laughs> in in mm-hmm. some ways because they don't actually taste like Odell and Dogfish Head do, whereas that beer very much does. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. This is the, the, drinking this beer is literally like just being in Fort Collins. Good choice, Rob. I'm, yeah, glad, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I've I've run out of words, so I'll just <laughs> Steve, what have you got? What have you what have you gone for to redeem yourself? I have gone for and and again, um, and I, this is going to sound like a continuous plug this evening. Um, those that listen to our chat with Russ over on Patreon um, would know that this was maybe coming. This is uh, along with the, uh, the the spinning meal beers that, that that Russ sent us. He did send us a handful of other beers, and and this was one of the beers that was in the pack. So this is Amity and the Coven. It's a dry hop saison at six percent, um, and I think it's called Galere or Gallery Galere. This is uh, I mean it's like drinking saison Dupont. It's it's got exactly the same characteristics as 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 that has it's got that kind of spicy funky peppery thing going on yeah. um 
and it's 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 just that's that's how I like my saisons. I, I I like them to be more on that classic side rather than let's throw all these funky adjuncts in it and make it taste of other things. It's delicious. It's it's just really drinkable. I had that uh, last weekend, I think. And yeah, I also really enjoyed that beer and it is just a, a classic Saison. I kind of feel like Saison didn't have enough time not being messed about with. Yeah. In this country before then everyone was messing about with it and now nobody seems to make them. Which is kind of like the point I was making over on Instagram was, I mean, I, I enjoyed that beer so because it was obviously well made, but I was like, I also can't remember. I think it might be my first saison of twenty twenty three, because I I've not had any of the Belgian classics, and I don't think I can think of any other British breweries putting them out at the minute. In fact, no, I tell a lie. The only other one I've had is a blueberry one from uh, Burning Sky. So there you go. I've I've only had flavored saison this mm. year. So to just have one that was just straight up, well, just, you know what I mean? It's a dry hot version, but an actual just Saison. I was like, this is so good. And especially this time of year in this weather is, you know, that dryness is perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that I'm drinking it in, in the evening rather than mm-hmm. du- during the day when the sun's out because mm-hmm. it would be absolutely perfect for that. But no, this is um, really tasty stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And it's yeah. it, it's washing away any remnants of my first two beers <laughs> it's very much the sort of beer that you you want to drink on on your lunch break when you're working in the fields isn't it yes. <laughs> yeah. it's a myth rob it's a myth <laughs> <laughs> and with that once again it's time to return to Welcome everybody to Route Corner with me, Smokey Johnson, where every month we'll be exploring the wonderful world of smoked beers. And this month we're going to Edinburgh via Hartlepool with Don Zoko's Smoked Hellas Super King. So I thought I'd go for, well, technically I've, I've not cheated, but I've gone for a beer that I've definitely had before after last month's absolute disaster with Route Corner and the mediocrity of the month before. I thought I need to make smoke beer a bit more appealing. Um, so I, to be fair, the UK is doing smoked lagers really well at the minute. Braybrook, Overworld, I've had some really good ones recently. But Don Zoko's Super King Dare I say it, it rivals some Schlenkler's absolute... Certainly their Hellers, it, it rivals it. It's absolutely on-the-nose smoked. And I think, I've said, I think I've said before when I've been talking about smoked beer, the refresh... How I, how I find it a very refreshing style, and it's it, it mixes well with lager and the summer weather more than people think. I think too many people associate smoked beers as being this dark, wintry, imperial stout flavour. Whereas there's something really crisp and refreshing about it with me, which is why it works really well with lagers. And obviously all of Schlenkler's styles are actually lagered beers anyway. So the original styles that we think of are lagers anyway. 
Well, anyway, going going off on a tangent. This is a five hundred mil can. It is designed like a brand of cigarettes that I can't remember the name of because I've not smoked for fifteen years. But I assume Super King means is a reference to that. Um, and it's that unfortunately, rather than thinking of anything meaty, is just making me think of having a cigar or something outside on on a summer's evening and and that is all i can think of so it's really really good I've, I've, I, I, there is a smoked beer on this podcast that is really really good and it's this it's well worth seeking out so don zoko smoked hellas thank you for bringing us back in route corner everyone go out and buy it well, well done, Mark. You finally found a good one. And <laughs> I, I, I knew it was worth persevering with this segment. More to come. More to come. I will pick out more good smoke beers. They're out there. They might just all have to be damn lagers. <laughs> and I'm sure all of our listeners will look forward to that as 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 well as you continue taking them on this a journey <laughs> through smoked beer and some of the pitfalls that it presents. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now it's time <laughs> with, with that. Sorry, I don't know why that was really, really tickled me that. Oh. <laughs> While we drink our second beers, and we all seem to have chose wisely this time, so I'm, I'm glad that we're going to be able to sit back and enjoy these while, while we talk about this month's hot topic. And this is the thing that's obviously been bouncing around the internet, and this is Reverberations. 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 It's Reverberations. There was only one thing that we could really discuss this month. And I know it, it's something that's probably more personal to one of us than, than it is the, the, the other two. But I also think it's something that we can all have an opinion on and all have a view on as, as well. And that was the news. And I think it was, I mean, literally almost came just after our last show was was released i think so it was it was a bit of a while back um Torside put out an announcement that they were essentially banning children from their their, their taproom because of a a series of incidents where uh basically basic instructions hadn't been followed by parents children had been allowed to run riot and they took the decision that for uh the safety of the children um and for their own safety as well as as a working industrial brewery um that they would they would ban children from the taproom and this um divided opinion a little bit on on twitter because at the same time torside are also very well known for being dog friendly and there were people coming out on on either side of that um particular argument saying well if you're banning kids you should ban dogs da, 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 da. now obviously as i say we're all going to have a view on this but let's go to mr mark johnson first doesn't he point you know it does i wrote a blog post about the, this this week and didn't mention the tour side reference but everybody knew what i was getting to um tour side of is a monthly tap 
it's in a working brewery that just makes space once a month for people to come. It is on an estate, uh, industrial estate, where immediately out of their front door is private land for another business, and therefore you can't even step outside for a, a smoke or even a breath of fresh air in the immediate area outside the brewery. So rules need to be adhered to, and continuously people have been asked and requested you know your children are in the areas that have been clearly set out to you that they're not allowed to go in and they've not given a shit because they're sat there getting pissed and having a good time irresponsible parents it's been said a number of times to them and so what what becomes a last resort for a business is that you, you have to come to this now this this these kind of decisions cost businesses money and obviously because it's customers and that's why they're opening in the first place is to to make extra money this is why brewery taps are so great because it's a an extra bit of business for breweries and so i can't understand any opinion which is just like oh no that's you know it's understandable it's maybe a shame certainly i know people you know regulars in my pub would with children would take their kids to tour side over those weekends they'd be sat in prams they'd be thoroughly entertained they may be only be there for an hour or two because it's in a brewery it's not particularly interesting which is another part of it that i don't get because why would you like anyway i'm not i'm not a parent so i'm not going to go down that road too much and so so it's a shame for them but what frustrates me is that that would be the stance that everyone would just go, well, you know, you'd either think it was a shame, but you still understand it as a business decision, or you think, oh, thank God. And they're the two sides of it. But somehow, every time this gets brought up, some parents are always freaking angry about it, and I don't understand why, and I'd like to understand why parents think that they have a right for just because, because some of the comments that they've received do you know sometimes you see something like this on social media and you kind of think I'm, I'm going to look at the comments kind of hoping that there's a dickhead in there and sometimes you're disappointed you're like do you know what everyone's been perfectly reasonable everyone's gone good decision that's fine well this time I wasn't disappointed <laughs> there was dickheads in the comments who somehow are like well, this is a joke of a decision. You let dogs run riot, which, by the way, is bollocks. All the dogs are kept on the leads. Um, you, you, you know, my children are well-behaved, which is always the argument. There are adults that are in there that are drunk, which is always one of the arguments. These are the things that come up about this time and time again, as if biz businesses aren't making these decisions for good reason. Now, I know what I think. What do you guys think? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in um, because I am a parent, um, albeit now to to fairly grown up lads. Um, but obviously, in in the last few years, there have been times where I've taken them either to tap rooms or to to, to pubs, and and I think I I said at the time when when Torside 
made this announcement that I I've always struggled with um parents that feel as though they've got some sort of sense of entitlement that once they cross the threshold of a place that the children are no longer their responsibility um that they are that whenever i've taken my lads anywhere they're they're my responsibility in in terms of making sure they're behaving they're not bothering other people with their behavior um and i've i've never just sat back and sort of got drunk and let them go on get on with it sort sort of thing so i i find it quite strange that some people are quite willing to do that it's it's certainly not the parenting style that that, that i took um and, and i can i can completely understand Torside's de- decision on this i think was it wasn't there also a thing mark isn't there also um some open water nearby as as, as well or did i misread that no, it's on a marina. The, okay. the the private space I talked about outside belongs to the marina and the people that own the marina. That's the that's the literally the area that you're not allowed into is a space with water there yeah. as well. But well, then there's there's the first thing you know is and and, and any parent would make sure that their that, that their child is, is is isn't wandering unsupervised near open water. Um, you, you know, you know, you're gonna keep, you're gonna keep them supervised. I don't know. I just, I, I find it, I, I found it really strange that 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 people were getting so angry um, yeah. uh, uh, about it. And like I say, there was, uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 I think I know the few dickhead comments that you were probably referencing, Mark. And it, they, they all came with that sense of entitlement that. I'm while while I'm here, I can do what I want, and my children can do whatever they want as well. And I'm I'm sure when when you had children and dogs in that environment, it's it's not not fair on the dogs either, is it? That the kids are running riot, and and they're, they're they're probably on occasions screaming and shouting around the dogs and scaring the dogs as well, which is then obviously upsetting them and having a knock on effect. So you know, from from my point of view, it's just quite a simple one. I, I think Torside have made the right decision. Um, I, I think you know uh, a lot of other places will, will look at this and maybe make decisions based on their size and what what they feel as though they can safely manage. And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, I think the the the, the best approach to take is 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 the one that the um that the Victoria Inn in Colchester takes, which is basically children and dogs are welcome as long as they're well behaved. I think you use that word as well that we've used a lot over the last few months about various things, not just, you know, in the beer world. And it's, it is entitlement and the sense of it in too many people in this country at the minute, whether it comes to park, parking in places that completely block pedestrian access, entitlement, you know, um, dog dog owners all the time with dogs off leads that um, are not well behaved around other dogs. It's all in a sense of entitlement. We're, I'm always using this phrase all the time. It's people with an upstart sense of entitlement in public areas that are the ones that cause problems because anybody with any kind of sense of self would n- never think these things. But unfortunately, you know, these are the people with loud, loud voices at the minute and that cause these things also to happen because... Obviously, there's been plenty of people say it's a it's a shame for well behaved parents with well behaved. It is a shame for parents with well behaved children, mm-hmm. but yeah. because these entitled so and sos are, are the ones that, that that cause it. So, 
And I think you made that point in in the piece that you wrote as well, Mark, didn't you? In in, in terms of it, it does now impact on just using yourself personally. It now impacts on you because it means that there are certain people that you now can't share that experience with because they won't be able to bring their children and it, it restricts you being able to do that. And it, it does always seem to be the, the the minority of people, and I hope it is the minor, minority of people, that do end up ruining it for the majority. Yeah, I mean, that's always the case, isn't it? A very small number of people can make a big impact in a, in a negative way. So me, I'm, I'm a 33-year-old man, so I'm at an age now where a lot of my friends have got kids ranging between the ages of 1 and 11, and like I would like to be able to think that I can go out for a beer with them. And and obviously when you've got kids, it's it's not always possible to, to find someone else to, to look after your kids. And also you want to spend time with your own children in any way. So it'd be nice to go out to these places that we all enjoy and, and for the kids to be there as well. But it's just common sense, isn't it? If you've got kids, they're your responsibility. You can't take them to a, a working space and just let them run around causing danger to themselves and to other people. And of course, any brewery, it's their, it's their liability, isn't it? If anything goes wrong. Well, this is what annoyed me about, obviously some of the comments, one of them, which was um, if, if they are unsure that their brewery is safe, should it then be allowed to be open to the public rather than rather than let's just take responsibility for the young people that we're bringing that don't know any better. And therefore rather than that being the opinion, which should always be the opinion, rather than it being that it's just like, Oh, well maybe they shouldn't open altogether because it's obviously not safe. And it's like, and that's the thing that uh, again annoys me is that if, if you, they must be the people causing the problems for them to say that, why, yeah. what, because they're obviously th- their mindset is why shouldn't I be able to take my children to a tap room and just let them run riot? It, uh, and therefore if something happens, it's the fault of a brewery. And, and p- the fact that that is anybody's mindset whatsoever. And that is why it came back to, talking about dogs and I was like, I don't want to go down the line of comparing dogs to children. I don't want to be one of those people that's going, well, I don't have children, but I've got a dog. And so it's the same. Cause obviously that's a whole different conversation where people get the backs up and go, well, dogs are not the same. Children. Of course, dogs aren't the same as, as children. No, but different you, species. I, I, I approach it of just going into a tap room and just, and then just going, um, can you kind of keep all, you know, and, also i do it and i i we i need to reiterate at this point as well the story is currently based on Torside. that's why it's in reverberations but this is a conversation i've had so six or seven times over the last five years this gets brought up every few months um but if i go to Torside, who are massive dog lovers it's still keep your dog on a lead Please, the whole time that you're here, and at no point have I ever just let my dog off the lead and gone, "Well, he's fine, he's fine," because the request is that I keep my dog on the lead. So if your request is, don't let your children in certain areas, 
don't let them unsupervised or, or in this part because it's private land. Don't let them do this, this, and this. And you're not going to turn. Well, you'd have to be a bit of a knob to turn around and just go. Well, they're fine. My children are fine. Oh no, it's entitlement is absolute height. Yeah. And so, and then my least favorite argument that sometimes comes on social media is well i've seen parents that are far worse behaved in pubs than children (laughs) what has that what has that got to do with anything whatsoever It's it's just ridiculous isn't it like first of all comparing children to dogs i mean perhaps the similarity between children and dogs is that they're obviously going to be very curious about their surroundings which yeah can cause danger and then, then you involve adults as well. Obviously, adults are very different to children and dogs, and then still have those similarities in um, acting like uh, unsafely, really. But it's mm. just there's there's no there's no real comparison, and it all just goes back to entitlement. And you know what? We're just um, just explaining what's wrong with society at this point. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's very true. I just, I mean, I, just, I was just back. take responsibility for yourself and those who you are responsible for. Stop being a dickhead and let other people have a nice time. Oh, I was going to say, actually, to um, not put Steve on the spot, so let me phrase that differently. I was going to say, I remember a opinions episode from a good number of years ago, I'd say four or five, that I vehemently dis- disagreed with because it was about uh, children at beer festivals and Steve and Martin were so pro it that they didn't even like read out any of the replies that were, that were anti it. I'm not putting you on the, the spot in in that kind of light sense. I just remember oh, it was... Typical it, Steve and Martin, it, it No, it was the <laughs> o- o- only time I remember listening to a Hopkins discussion where I was like, but they didn't even consider the other side because you were both parents and you were all right. But that was, you were all right taking children to a beer festival because they were obviously well behaved and you yeah. kind of like knew the rules. So, so what are your, you're, you're obviously quite pro children being in like tap and um, beer festival spaces, which is absolutely fine. But what are the um, concessions in terms of, you know, maybe time limit or, Keeping them under control is absolutely the wrong phrase, but just well, it's, it's you ma- know what? Ma- making sure everyone's just all right and having a good time. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to step in. Obviously, I'm I'm not a parent, but I'm sure Steve will agree that as a parent, it's up to you to um, make sure your children are safe, but to keep them occupied and enjoying themselves in a way that's safe for them, rather than just letting them run around an industrial space. Yeah, I mean, I've, there's there's a couple of things here for me. Um, one is that I, I think, yeah, and, and it comes back to what I said earlier. If, if, if you're going to take your children into what is essentially an adult space, you've got, they're, they're your responsibility. So, and you have to make sure that they are cared for and that they are looked after. And therefore, 
by association that means that you have not got to drink maybe as much as you normally would if you was going on your own because you've still got that parental responsibility where you've got to look after them so it it can also have that kind of reverse impact of I've, I've taken them to this event because I wanted to go but I've ended up not having a nice time because I've been too worried about my kids and I I've got a very uh i i remember like a personal example of that i remember i took them to um hop city about six years ago it was one of the early ones and i just wanted to to pop in just just for literally half hour to, to an hour just to see a few people have like a couple of beers and and then leave so i made sure the boys were still quite young at the time i made sure ipads were charged you know they had things to do my first thought when we when we went into the festival was to find a table where I could put them and then I could go off, get beers, come back and they'd be OK. Now, there, there were a few people and a few comments made directly to me at that festival that they shouldn't be here. And, and I was like, well, why is that? Is it because it's making you uncomfortable and you feel as though you've got to temper your behaviour? Or is it because you feel as though I'm not going to be responsible for them and in the end i ended up spending about 45 minutes there because i was so uncomfortable by the whole experience i wasn't enjoying myself and i chose to leave um the the other example i've got of taking them to, to a festival was when i took them to peak ender when we did the live podcast and they sat at the front of the tent and they fell asleep while we were doing the live <laughs> podcast I've, I've never been a prouder parent at that moment but even so even for the rest of the day that we were there, I I didn't drink as much as I normally would at Peak Ender um, because I was aware that we had to get back to accommodation. I had to make sure they were fed and watered and all the rest of it. So I, I think you can never you can never absolve your responsibility as a parent in in any space that you go into. Um, they your children are always your responsibility and. Going right back to one of the the other things you said, Mark, about one of the comments saying that, oh, well, that the, the brewery can't be safe if you're having to ban children. I imagine Torside would have gone to every length to make sure every part of that brewery was safe before opening it to the public. Because the last thing that they need is some sort of claim on their hands that somebody's hurt themselves why they're there. And I just think that's just a bullshit excuse. I mean, I... They're a small business, aren't they? They can't yeah. afford to be liable yeah but so 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 ultimately um yeah i think and and, and you know it's, it's it's very different now my lads are grown up and y- you know if they were to come to me with something that they'd, they'd probably actually be drinking but those couple of times that i took them i didn't enjoy it i didn't i didn't enjoy the experience um i didn't enjoy the looks the comments i didn't enjoy the the, the amount of drinking that i could or couldn't do and ultimately, why do something if you're going to end up not enjoying it? So um, I, I, I think I'm. Uh, I can I can sit here almost in in a, in a gloating way and say I'm quite I'm quite glad they're grown up now because I can do these things with them now and uh, it can be a little bit more in, in, enjoyable. Now they can look after you. Now they can look <laughs> after me and get me home. Well, yes. Well, I will. I will say what one of the comments that. And so somebody put it under the post that I wrote, and I've heard it three or four times in my time, is parents responding to 
such incidents of children acting up in brewery tap rooms. Again, this isn't Torsai based. This, I, I've seen this happen multiple times. This is whenever this conversation pops up as um, the conversation of children in breweries and parents piping up and saying, well, if you add more things to entertain the kids, this will oh, happen. It's it's the, it's not a <laughs> playground. It's a brewery. And as I always say, my dad, bless it, God rest his soul, but for all his faults, would take me to pubs that were entertaining for children as well. And I would be excited to go to the one local to us that had a bouncy castle on a Sunday because whilst he sat and drank, I got to go on the bouncy castle. So it was fine. <laughs> so the adults were having a good time and I was having a good time. And I don't understand what parents want from brewery taps that can't afford to be putting on magicians or Charlie Chalk factories or whatever the hell they freaking want. A fun house round the back of the brewery. It's not happening. So as long as you're okay taking them to spaces where that kind of entertainment doesn't exist, that's fine. But if you're expecting that, you're a bit of a... <coughs> Good time to cough there, Steve. I didn't actually to do it. <laughs> yeah, just come on, people. Let's have some common sense and just some empathy for other people, whether it be other um, punters or the business themselves. I don't think I could have summed that up better myself, Rob. Um, I, I think I think that's absolutely spot on. And um, yeah, if 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 you as our listeners want to get involved in, in in this discussion, you can use the hashtag belonging, and we will uh, find your comment and we'll feature it in next month's re-reverberations. Or use that goddamn speak pipe feature, please. Somebody <laughs> use it. I dare you. Every month, I dare somebody to use the speak pipe feature. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We don't want to just listen to ourselves all the time. No, you know, just no. Put, put on a funny voice. Pretend to be Steve. It'll be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Mark. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for Very that. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, um, leave us a comment. Leave, leave us a, a tweet, and we'll we'll make sure to feature it next month. Each episode, we feature a guest who's making their own reverberations in the beer world. This month, we're pleased to be joined by Sarah Hyde. Sarah's a beer sommelier, among many other things, uh, and she was also behind the Beer Together project, which was run in Liverpool recently to celebrate Eurovision. So she talks to us about that and also tells us what a Ukrainian golden ale is. Welcome to the show, Sarah. It's lovely of you to join us. For our listeners that maybe haven't come across you before, would you just like to introduce yourself and, and, and give a little bit of background as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Sarah Hyde. Um, I'm a beer sommelier uh, by trade. So I currently, that that's embodied sort of in the way that I uh, currently uh, earn a living, which is being a tour guide and a beer educator. Um, so uh, my main sort of uh, business at the moment is the Rambling Beer Co., where we are taking tour groups around Manchester and Liverpool um, and showing them the fantastic craft beer scene in both those cities, which, um, as I'm sure your listeners are aware, are absolutely wonderful. Also, um, I run London Craft Beer Cruises as well, which is starting again very, very soon. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, that's basically, we get a boat, we put a beer festival, festival on it every weekend over the summer. Um, so, yeah, if anyone's around in London during that time, I would definitely suggest uh, popping on that. That's that's great. So, um, yeah, lots of different things I get up to. 
Um, but generally, it's all about promoting beer. It's all about promoting good beer. And it's all about helping educate people on the vast amount of beer styles that there are available in the world. And also getting people to uh, try beer who maybe don't think they don't like beer or think they only like certain styles of beer and just trying to expand her their horizons which I get to do on a weekly basis which I just absolutely love. Wow there's a lot to unpick there <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in terms of, of of what what you do where, where should we start I think let's let's actually start with the one thing that you you haven't mentioned which is mm. um the the, the 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 partly the reason why we, we invited you on th this month uh yes we're a month late before any of our listeners call us out on this but you were behind the beer together project uh yeah. which was uh well actually you you tell us tell us about the project rather than me try and fumble my way through it and do, do it an injustice yeah i'll fumble my way through it instead so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah absolutely the beer together project was born out of my enthusiasm and passion for promoting um the beer scenes of both liverpool and and manchester of course but of course the focus being on Liverpool um, in May this year. So we were told that Eurovision was going to be hosted by Liverpool in around November time, um, 2022. So there was a big meeting um, with Liverpool City Council and all the stakeholders, which included people like myself who run um, tourism attractions and visitor experiences and that kind of thing in the city. And basically they wanted to make sure that every single person who was able to, was able to put something on to help promote the city and to help make it more um, exciting and interesting and just make the city sparkle really for, for the tens of thousands of visitors who did finally come into uh, Liverpool for Eurovision. Um, at the forefront of my mind was ensuring that we got local independent beer to be able to be showcased um, during those two weeks in May when the Eurovision festivities take place. And of course, there's always that worry that big beer is going to take over and you're not really going to see much in terms of local craft producers being able to get a foothold and be able to um, have their beer pouring in front of you know some of these guests. So it's really important for me to A, ensure that you know Liverpool craft breweries were represented but also the Ukraine craft breweries right so you know we know um, as uh, people who drink craft beer that there's a fantastic scene of craft breweries um, in Ukraine and a really passionate community there so for me it was really important to ensure that we could get either get their beers over or get some sort of um, representation of them of course it's real hard to get their bit out of Ukraine at the moment. Um, so the thought of doing some collaboration brews came to mind. Um, I was lucky enough to be put in touch with Lana, um, who you may or may not know. I think most people know her for her work with, well, well with Varva. She used to work with Varva, but also her work trying to get the Ukrainian golden ale as a, as a style recognised by the BJCP. She was able to get me in touch with, well, it was one or two breweries to start with, because I had one or two breweries interested in Liverpool, and the word got out, and then some more Liverpool breweries got in touch with me and uh, asked if uh, they could be involved in the project too, and that kind of snowballed. So we ended up having eight different breweries from Liverpool and eight different breweries from Ukraine coming together 
um, to produce a set of eight unique beers, all of which as well, luckily and happily, were showcased at the Head of Steam pub. It was, yeah, it's a fantastic project um, and just really nice to see those beers on tap and to see the logos and, you know, more information about each uh, brewery available to people as they came into the city. Um, you, you mentioned um, Lana's mission to make Ukrainian gold ale a recognised style in the BJCP. Can you tell us what is a Ukrainian golden ale? What what separates that from perhaps a golden ale that we might recognise? Absolutely, yeah. It's actually the style of beer I'm drinking right now. So this is the Ukrainian golden ale produced um, between Neptune Brewery and Beermaster Breweries, Beermaster being the Ukrainian side. Um, so a golden ale from Ukraine is particular in the fact that it, A, is quite strong. I mean, <laughs> the thing is with all these beers for this collaboration is they all tone down the ABV maybe slightly more than the Ukrainian side of the uh, project would have liked. Um, but of course, we had to make them quite sessionable for our markets um, in the UK. So this is 5.5. You're generally looking at about 6.5 to 7% for a Ukrainian golden ale. But also it's it's quite sweet. So Lana was telling me about how uh, beers in Ukraine are generally sweet, um, generally in that uh, generally the sort of cuisine and the drinks are do lean on the sweeter side. So, for instance, um, another collab was with um, Love Lane um, and Tispa. And that was a Vienna Lager, which I thought was a bit of a strange choice to start with. And then I learned that Vienna Lager was actually the main sort of style that people drink um, in Ukraine because it is strong, sweet, malty, um, which is very similar to this. I guess this is kind of a uh, ale version of that. But yeah, so it's it's a strong, sweet ale. So it's not really got the um, yeast profile of a Belgium golden ale. Um but also, you know, British golden ales generally sort of run on the more citrusy side of UK hops. So it hasn't got that either. So it's kind of got the sweet robustness of a Belgian golden ale. Yeah, but, but not quite as uh, zesty, I suppose, as a, as a British golden ale. I think you actually said earlier on, like, we, we all know what's going on with the Ukrainian craft beer scene. And I think actually a lot of us wouldn't potentially know what's going on with the Ukrainian craft beer scene. I think apart from Vava, I think a lot of it will have gone over a lot of people's heads. I've got this, I've, I, I've got the box and I was looking, you know, a lot of the names are unfa unfamiliar to me. Um, do, what is going on with the Ukrainian craft beer scene? <laughs> and and, and, wow. and I, I don't expect you to go into massive detail of the second question, but... How is it coping with the war? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a massive expert on the Ukrainian <laughs> beer scene, but mm. I've I learned a fair amount over the past uh, couple of months, I suppose. But it, it, it's it's invention, you know, and it's and it's proudly um, expressing their cultural um, identities as well, which are the few, few things that have struck me. So, for instance, you know, there's breweries like. Um, the brewery, the Revenue Beer Co. Um, collaborated with, which is a Didco brewery, who the name actually means, um, the name is, it, Didco is a, a myth, mythological creature from um, Ukraine who is kind of like a Loki figure. Um, he's, a, he's the god of mischief. Um, 
so all the beers that come out of Didco Brewery are all really, really mischievous beers. So, you know, lots of beers with tomatoes in and herbs and spices and all sorts of different flavours that wouldn't necessarily um, you'd put in beer, but they work. OK, yeah. So it's it's and it's also doing things like Borscht um, beers and like putting beetroot in in beers and this kind of thing. So there's a lot of breweries that take Ukrainian cuisine and put it into beers or experiment with flavors from their cultures, which I think is really cool. And we've also got other um, breweries like Tispa um, who uh, collaborate with Lovelane. They're in the Carpathian uh, Mountains and they do a lot of, it's, I, I, I um, compared them to um, Little Earth Project when I spoke to Lana, she said, yeah, it's a similar sort of thing. You know, they're doing lots of foraging very much talking about very, very local ingredients and being inspired by their beautiful surroundings and what they're able to um, forage in the woods and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of very um, gastronomic, I suppose, uh, and cultural um, references in their beers, which I think is really exciting. Um, but also, you know, you do have breweries like Movo and you have breweries like um, Vava who do some of those beers, of course, as well, but also they do, you know, your proper hazy boy uh, craft beers, you know, your hop forward beers and um, are on the cusp of the modern craft beer scene as well. So there's that nice uh, echo of the two very traditional, you know, using traditional flavours and techniques and, and uh, using their cultural identity to produce incredible beers. But on the flip side as well, of course, you have people making fantastically beautiful um craft modern style craft beers that we all know and love and to bring it on the the flip side of things as well i mean liverpool i i always felt as much as i love it as a city was a bit slower on the uptake of craft beer um but how hard slash how easy was it to get breweries on board with this and working with them yeah, it was easy because I think a lot of them were looking for an opportunity, obviously, to make the most out of the Eurovision Festival and the thought of doing something with um, Ukraine breweries was just, yeah, I think everyone was just like, yeah, let's do it, which was great. There's a great scene in Liverpool. There is a great scene in Liverpool. The problem is, is they're quite disparate from each other, like Liverpool and surrounds, shall we say. It, you know, it's not easy to just... Mm -hmm do a walking tour as you would in Manchester, you know, that everywhere's quite close together. Um, but of course we have the likes of Neptune who are just banging out fantastic beer after fantastic beer. You know, they're doing incredibly good versions of your sort of standard beer styles like ESBs, then also going off the rails and doing like coconut stouts and things like that, which are absolutely delicious. And of course, you know, on the more sort of modern style, you've got Carnival and Asvec. Asvec, of course, making massive waves in terms of cutting edge modern craft beer. Um, and then Carnival as well, doing some really interesting stuff too. And of course, Black Lodge as well, um, very much on that sort of modern um, craft beer tip as well. How, how did the collaborations happen? How, how did the breweries, obviously, you know, probably a lot of emails, probably a lot of FaceTime back and forth, but as best to your knowledge how did how did the collaborations go about yeah so i mean that was another tricky part of it really because of the problems over there at the moment because of the war over there that 
are a lot of blackouts that happen. So a lot of power blackouts, which of course means um, no Zoom, um, hardly any internet coverage, things just blipping in and out and you can't really predict anything, um, which is absolutely heartbreaking. So a lot of the collabs did happen over email, over WhatsApp, um, over Zoom when they could but I did see some breweries, for instance, you know, they emailed one thing one day and then we didn't hear from them for, you know, a good 48 hours. And, you know, the power's just been switched off. We're, you know, we're not able to communicate with anyone, which is, is unimaginable. But, you know, these people are still continuing to brew. They're continuing to live their lives as best they can in the face of it. And it's really inspiring. Just going back to, to, to what you were saying about, uh, well, picking up on a couple of things you said in, in terms of bringing beer styles and beer flavours to lots of people and doing the walking tours. When when did you first decide that that, that was something that you wanted to do, that, that you wanted, and, and what was it that made you do that? What, what When did you first discover good beer and when did you sit down and go, I want as many people as possible to, to be able to try this stuff? Uh, I think it's an evolution really so I mean way back to how I started liking beer would be a long time ago um but my my dad and my brother both loved or still do both love cask beer and beer in general when I started drinking uh beer it was all about good real ale you know good cask beer um but finding good real ale and finding beers that you like and knowing which pubs serve it right and which breweries make it right and all of these other things it's a, it's an art of its own you know so I grew up in St Austell in Cornwall which of course has quite a nice brewery just around the corner um St Austell Brewery um and of course uh being able to drink tribute and proper job and drinks like that um of course under the uh leadership of Roger Ryman at the time was incredible. You know, his beers um, were fantastic and, and still are good. So I had a really good education, I suppose, a really good benchmark from the start. Moving on from that, my dad was a home brewer too. So he was brewing styles like IPA, Porter, um, all these different beer styles that you couldn't really get back then. Um, so being able to have, to have that education of different beer styles was really good too. So it was all very exciting you know it's all it was all uh, a great hobby to be part of and i moved to london and went to university continued to drink good beer um and find friends that also liked beer as well and then uh of course the craft beer boom sort of happened so i was able to find a job working in beer which i was really happy about i actually taught myself how to homebrew as well um of course, starting off with those kit uh, beer kits, which aren't so good, um, and then moving on to all grain quite swiftly after that, because yeah, those kits were not to my uh, <laughs> not to my standards. Um, and then yeah, I, I really happily I managed to find a quite a decent job role where I was looking after a home brew shop and um, looking after a tour department in a brewery in Hackney. And that was great. Um, so it really helped me to 
learn more about what people want to know about beer and what people do and don't know about beer. Um, and just sharing my knowledge, I just found it really, I, I don't know, I'm just so passionate about it. I just love, <laughs> I just love sharing my knowledge about beer where I have it and learning more and talking about beers with people. So where are you based at the moment, Sarah? What are you doing? I'm in Manchester at the moment, yep. And is that where you're doing the most work at? What, what's next for you? Absolutely. What's... Yeah, so I moved up here about five years ago now, I think it is. Yeah, I moved up here about five years ago um, and then was able to start doing the tours um, and tastings pretty soon after that, which is great. It's just... I mean, everybody knows how good the BC is in Manchester. It's fantastic. Oh, we're, we're always hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah, very, very lucky to to have landed here. It's such a fantastic city. And to be able to show it off to people. And what I love about doing the tours, as, as Rob probably knows as well, because I know he does similar things to me, but is the fact that, you know, most people who come on the tours are local people. So... A lot of them are wanting to explore their local beer scene. And what's fantastic about that is, of course, once they find the breweries or the tap rooms that I take them to, they're likely to go back again, which is great, and take their friends, um, which is fantastic. So it's all about promoting um, good beer and trying to get more people into that independent craft beer scene. Um, but also people who are really at the beginning of their beer journey. Um, and that's really nice. Because, you know, either people who have tried a couple of supermarket craft beers and are curious or people who just drink, you know, you kind of commercial lagers or something like that. Or maybe they've had a couple of sour beers and are kind of curious about that. They'll come on the tour and I'm able to really expand out their knowledge. And I think, I hope they all go away with a little bit of something for themselves to explore um a new beer style that they haven't tried before or more knowledge about the beer styles that they love already um so that's really that's really great that's a really rewarding part of the job and is is that is that one and the same in terms of the rambling beer co or is rambling beer co something a little bit different the rambling beer co i started with joe uh, Joe Llewellyn Jones, who is the head brewer for Next Stamper, uh, head brewer for Next Stamper Brewery down in London, who's just sort of won an award. Actually, he won an award for gold, uh, a gold award for his keg beer, um, Mizzle, which is a fantastic beer. Um, he's he's very very happy about that, and is much well deserved. So really, really, he's doing some fantastic brewing down there. So he approached me because he was starting to do online tastings during COVID. So I was really happy to get on board with that. And we started doing some theme tastings. So for instance, we've done tastings with his friend from Great Drums, who um, is uh, who produces whiskies. So doing beer and whiskey pairings, uh, which was a lot of fun, as you can imagine. Um, also chocolates as well. So for Valentine's Day, we did a beer and chocolate pairing night, which was great. Um, and it was just, yeah, just a lot of fun. Like, um, so it kind of grew off the back of that. So obviously once COVID passed and we were able to get back out there again, we sort of resumed our tours. Um, so Joe runs 
tours of his local area, which is Hackney Wick, which has got some fantastic breweries just, you know, in that small space. There's about four or five different breweries he's able to take people to. And then, of course, I resume my tours in Manchester and Liverpool as well. You obviously have good relationships with breweries and things like that and um, was obviously seeing numerous closures at the at the time how um you'll you'll have I, I don't even know what the question is going to be here but obviously you'll have relationships with the some of the breweries that are closing and stuff how how do you, you know, it's, it's a stupid question but how do you feel obviously when that kind of thing's happening in the industry at the moment it's it is devastating it is devastating to see it being picked apart as it is at the moment it's difficult, isn't it? You know, I think there's quite a few people who potentially might have gone into beer thinking they're going to make a lot of money and then realising they're not. So we might be seeing some of those. I, I mean, I don't know. We might be seeing some of those people sort of winding things up and going, this isn't for me anymore. Certainly, it's a real shame when you see people with a lot of passion not being able to make a living out of what they do. And you just see the world fighting against you that's really hard you know and it's really difficult to to watch that happen happening um obviously we had alphabet closing recently which is the most recent major closure in manchester and it's difficult you know and you feel very very sorry for the people who work there you know the brewers who work there and the general managers and the taproom staff because it's not easy it's not easy to to bounce back from that kind of thing um but, you know, we, all we can do is hope for better days. There is still a market out there. And all we can do is, is hope that people keep exploring good beer um, and keep, you know, supporting local independent breweries, which is something I try to do my bit to to promote. So I think from what we can see from, from the Beer Together initiative is that there's still that strong collaborative spirit in, in the industry, which is uh, encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone would jump at the chance to work with uh, another brewery and to jump on the, the collaborative um, thing. And also, like, we made lots of money for charity as well. Um, I know Neptune just announced that they made £1,000 to go towards oh, the um, Disaster Emergency Committee for Ukraine, which is incredible. Um, and we'll have more announcements of donation amounts coming through as, as people top what they've sold. And the beer sold incredibly well. You know, there's some breweries who had to rebrew twice to keep up with demand. We had another brewery that sold out before they'd even announced it. You know, um, it, it's, it's great to see that. And it was great to see thing, people like hotels and other sort of big corporate entities who were really interested in stocking the beer. And I, my hope is that they'll now have an understanding or have an appreciation for local beer and local produce and seek it out. You know, there's always that big screaming element of like, oh, we, we sell local produce. We, you know, we're, we, lo you know, we source things from local supplies, but it always seems that beer gets lost somehow. Um, so I'm hoping that now we might have a bit more traction in that. We might have a bit more of a voice. So, Sarah, you're obviously really pleased with the success of the Beer Together project. Um, it's it's obviously had a massive impact, and as you say, that that news of the, the the money that Neptune have raised and and there's more to come. That's that's just fantastic news. 
isn't mm-hmm. it? Now, I, I think you mentioned that there's the, the Mark's drinking them right now, but there's there's a box of the beers available, isn't there? Is where, where's where's that? Where can people get hold of that? Yes, so lovely, my lovely friend Nikki, who runs the fantastic online bottle shop, uh, The Cat in the Glass, not A Cat in the Glass, she told me off for that one, The Cat in the Glass, <laughs> um, that's online, she's got the beers there, she's got six of them, so there's eight in total for the project, but only six of them got packaged into bottles or cans, so she's got the, that six available now um, online. Very limited stock. I think she's only got 20 or so cases left, something like that. So do go and get them. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic pack to try. Every single beer, I think, is brilliant. So um, certainly a little uh, point in history as well, I think. Okay, well, well, we'll put a link in the show notes for that box. And if there are still any available by the time this comes out, hopefully our listeners will snap up the last few and, and help get take those off of her hand uh what's next for you sarah what, what any any big projects on the horizon that you can share with us right now uh sitting down and not doing not a lot i think <laughs> it's been a whirlwind you know it's been a whirlwind and i i'm really really pleased with how this project snowballed but wowzers i definitely need um, a bit of a breather um but yeah looking forward to getting back on the thames this summer with london craft beer cruise um we've got some fantastic breweries lined up actually we've got some great um collaborations lined up um and yeah i can't wait to be pouring beer on the thames we've got some really good tunes thank you so much for your time i really hope that the tours continue to go well for you and i hope the cruises go go really well as as, as well i hope you get the uh the right weather to, to be going up and down the Thames on a boat with some beer. That's that that that's for sure. Um I'm sure that can be a lovely day out when you get the the, the, the right weather. Um and we do hope that everything continues to go well for you. We'll put some links in the show notes to where people can find you and all the various little bits that you do as as well. And and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed that that chat with with, with Sarah. It was quite um eye-opening in terms of kind of the work that went on behind the scenes in Liverpool to host Eurovision. Uh, I think we actually said it on the the, the interview in, in that run-up to the, the Eurovision Song Contest. You couldn't move for it being on BBC programming. But those <laughs> those beers that they brewed and some of the things that she was talking about in terms of how the collaborations with the Ukrainian breweries came about and how difficult they were because of the war that's going on there right now, um, really kind of brought it all home, I, I suppose, one in terms of probably how lucky we are and how easy we've got it to to, to get good beer in 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 the UK, but but two also the, the the fact that despite everything that's going on in Ukraine right now, people just seem to be getting on with daily life as well. So brewers are still brewing beer and still still putting beers out. I think it's also the fact that the war's still going on, which I think you know when these sort of things initiate and there was all those signs up at like football matches and every kind of public event at the time that was over you know well was coming up to 18 months ago that the war was very much at the forefront of our minds and ukrainian flags were going up everywhere and everybody seemed to be doing a fundraiser but this is something that's still going on and you know getting worse in some regards but it's gone out of 
the news cycle a bit and therefore it goes out of public minds a bit and so it's good to see people still doing things for it and to bring it back into the forefront of, of, of our minds to you know this hasn't gone away wars do not resolve themselves overnight through the power of goodwill and there's still people suffering every single day and so, so, so such a event like and i i'm guilty of that as well so that conversation with sarah brought it back to my mind of like this is still happening every day now just because it's maybe not our, our new our news has chosen not to make it headline news every day doesn't mean it's not headline news to them every single morning that they wake up so it was special in that regard to have that conversation and the other good thing about people using i always say about people using their pocket of will for good is when, when people argue about oh don't bring politics into beer it's just beer whatever the cause well you use your pocket the will for good and this was a perfect example of somebody using their pocket of will for good what what have i got i've got beer what have i got i've got access to the breweries in liverpool what's going on at the minute eurovision the ukraine thing let's use that as a platform for raising awareness raising funds whatever we can do and when things go quiet about things like whatever, but in cases of wars, when things go quiet, you know, the idiot conspiracy theorists start taking over and people start going, well, the only thing I've heard recently is that it's all a hoax and it doesn't exist. You know, those kind of people start taking over. And so it's if you can use your pocket for... Uh, 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 your corner of the world for good then has to be celebrated and that's why I was really pleased to feature Sarah on the show as always there's a longer version of that interview available to our Patreon supporters and you can sign up for just £1 a month on the link in the show notes now also we have mentioned it a couple of times tonight in the last month we did drop another little exclusive for our Patreon supporters where the three of us got to chat with Russ Clark from Amity Bruco, who was kind enough to send us the first of their two barrel-aged releases. So we thought, what better way to spend a Sunday evening than drinking two 10% beers and, and talking to us about how they came about. So that's also available for Patreon subscribers now. And again, the link is in the show notes if you want to join them. It's only a pound a month. I, I, I would say get involved because that was a lot of fun for, for the three of us. So I'm sure that you'll enjoy it just as much from from the listener's point of view. And with that, it's time to delve in to the back of our cupboards to see what delight we're pulling out for the last beer of the show. Mark, what have you found this month? I have gone for, again, similar to my uh, route corner, uh, based on my terrible experience last month, I thought I'd go for something that I hope is reasonably safe. Um, It is... When they bring back the riff, which was a salt and Abidale American barley wine, or did they call it American barley mm-hmm. wine? I always considered it one. It was about a ten percent barley wine collab, anyway. Which I can't seem to find any date on the can, but I'm sure this was released like the first week of lockdown, so over three years ago, anyway. Um, and I remember it, it definitely, if they didn't call it uh, American barley wine, maybe they called it a modern barley wine. It very much had those characteristics similar to 
uh, Cloudwater's Modern Barrel, Barley Wine, the um, elusive one we, we had recently in praise, and like Torside's American Barley Wine series, it was very, very fruity um, on, on the nose. So it's definitely at least three years old, um, and it was one of those that I possibly could could have left too late. Colin Strong was involved, and he made some of the best barley wines I've ever ever had at Buxton when he was there. So I've been concentrating on that. So I'm going to go in and give me a few seconds because I've not actually tried it yet. That's aged as I hoped. That has. And again, the, 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 the I mean, the strange thing about American barley wine is it's sort of considered a, a style, but a lot of people didn't really get into American barley wines. But again, they very much tasted, they had a very specific taste, and it was like that Odell and Dogfish Head um, malty thing that me and Rob were talking about earlier, just ramped up just a bit spicier you know just a, a little bit more burn but in a nice way but there was this very specific west coast malt bill and that's that is why because the american barley wines just tasted like just a very strong ipa and this is what this now tastes like that malt bill reminds me very much of the extra ipa in the elusive beer that I had just ramped up a bit more burn bit bit of a spicy little undertone but this has aged very, very well, which I really knew that it would. Um, absolutely superb. So, again, last from last month, absolutely redeemed myself. This is a superb choice. What what have you gone for this month, Steve? Oh, I've gone for a bottle of 2021 Adnams Tally Ho, which, is, uh, which interestingly is now branded as a barley wine. Um, but that's only recently, I believe. I'm sure it used to be called a strong owl be- before then. Um, but this um just been hanging around in my cupboard. I don't know why I keep buying Tally Ho year after year because I don't really like it. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't I don't think it ages particularly you, you just, well. You're either. just hoping that one year just some magic's gonna happen. Yeah, I had a mouthful of beer there, Steve. I nearly choked on it because it's so <laughs> true. It's I don't enjoy it myself. I don't, <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. It's just um I I mean Certainly, older versions that I've had of, of it, they, it doesn't seem to age particularly well. After about two or three years, it just it just becomes very uh, nondescript in terms of its flavour. Uh, this is obviously two years old. Best before date on the bottle is October of this year, so that, they obviously only really put two years on it. It's all right. It is what it is. I found it at the back yeah. of the cupboard, and let's move on uh, rather quickly. Well, I was going well, to say I've got two. I've got two of them aging of different ages, and one of them's about eleven years old now. But one one of them is about twenty twenty one. You probably got it at the same time as me, to be honest. But one of them's about eleven years old, and don't like I, I don't like tally ho T- tally ho's the the south version of a beer called old tom by robinson's brewery in stockport up here which it's just a strong ale yeah. it's just a strong ale it's not a barley wine it's just a strong an extra strong ale if you well, will i like old uh, tom i've never tried tally ho though it's not one that i've ever seen in my part of the country 
No, it just doesn't it doesn't do anything. It just so, somehow they make a seven percent beer have this incredible alcohol burn. Where I've just had. I mean, what was that strength for that? Advex beer you got That's, me before. Uh, you know, seven point four, like, which we, we certainly don't drink. Like it, there's no. no, there's no burn from that. There's just utter delight. Mm. So, somehow they make these beers taste like absolute just alcohol and then just and people just like yeah just drink it like a sherry and i'm like i drink freaking west coast ipas there's there's no reason for me to be drinking this beer like this is ridiculous so no um but i'm glad i'm glad that steve's said that about taiho so it's because i've always thought he was a bit too kind to adnams but apparently it's just because he likes it so (laughs) no no it's it's, yeah telehoe's not not one of my favourite of their beers. They they, they they produce far better stuff than that. But like I say, that's that, that I think that might actually be the last bottle in, in in my cellar, and I must must remind myself not to get excited when it comes out in October and to buy some this <laughs> this year because I'll only have regret and disappointment in about a year's time when I go to open it. Rob, what have you got for your final beer this month? So mine's mine's not an old beer, but it's one that has been bought for me as opposed to one that I've chosen for myself. And it's Northern Monk with surplus to purpose. It's called Wasted, and it's a hot cross bun pale ale, which is 5%, and it's made using um, hot cross buns, which apparently 10.5 million of them are wasted every Easter. So it's it's a hot cross bun pale ale isn't a style of beer that I would, choose to buy for myself really because like the sort of spices used with a hot cross bun are not what I really want in the pale ale and like to on on the nose. Maybe a Christmas ale. <laughs> yeah, precisely like <laughs> certainly not this this is very much a pale ale. When I was I looked at the like th- this was a present off my um sister and brother in law who do buy me some more interesting beers really because my brother-in-law he'll enjoy like a cucumber saison or or something or something that i would not really be that interested in so it is it's always um interesting to see what they have bought me but yeah as you say mark i'd expect it to certainly be a a darker ale but on the nose it is full-on cinnamon and and nutmeg and you know what it's actually it's quite drinkable. It's not one I would have um, bought myself, but I've got no issue drinking this. Excellent. Well, while we're finishing these beers off, let's do this month's Any Other Business. It's the end of this belonging show, my friend. couple of things this month. So uh, first one was uh, somebody did use the hashtag belonging um to bring this to our attention i'm not My sure God. I'm, I'm not i'm not sure whether it was aimed at us or whether they were just using the hashtag but i found <laughs> it and i thought it was worth discussion so this was um guzzler at lagging boat on, on on twitter um was drinking some brew by numbers cans now brew by numbers have recently i don't know how recently it actually feels like quite a while they've been doing this now that they've started putting really big beers in 250 mil cans and, I think it's been a while, yeah. Yeah, and and he was saying that um, it 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 didn't necessarily think it was enough of 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 a big beer, but I'd I'd say that personally, I I I've always struggled with this concept of the bigger the beer, the bigger the can, 
sort of thing. And why why do we get five percent pale owls in three thirty mil cans and nine percent double IPAs in four forties? Um, it makes sense to put big beers in two hundred and fifty mil pours because one, it, it makes them more affordable to people, which means more people can buy them, and try them, and and secondly, you're just being a little bit more responsible with with your drinking. And any thoughts from you you guys on this? Yeah, well, when you when you put it to us, it made me think like it made me think about perhaps like in in the past I've drank say like. Um, imperial stouts from someone like um bro york who come up with some pretty interesting imperial stouts but they've come in 440 cans i'm here on my own and you know what i've i've tasted the beer and thought okay that's interesting but then when you've got 440 mils of it it's just it's too much it's just it's just sickly too too what we're saying, two fifty milliliter would probably would have been perfect for those beers. So, I am I'm all for it for for certain beers. I think also that I mean the the, the massive sizes for um for for all beers has been a bit of a problem for ages. But I mean what, what Rob's touching on there is a very good point in that if you put things in big beers in four hundred and forty mil cans and you don't like them. It's different to if you buy a 4% beer and you kind of don't like it. It's 4%, you might struggle with it, but you also think, I don't really feel bad about just being like, you know what, I didn't enjoy it. I'll pull, I'll pull the, the last half down the drain. These there's beers something, aren't cheap. There's, there's something about having a 9.5% or an 11% or even a 14% beer that you don't enjoy. It's like, I can't get rid of it. So you Genuinely, I mean, I, I maybe only found myself in this position like once, but you're like, I feel I'm gonna have to drink it. I can't, and I can't physically pour this away because this has cost me like ten pound a can or whatever. Um, so, and I'm not enjoying it. You, you know, it, it, it's fairly ridiculous. But I think the other the other thing as well is that w- 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 I think when all three of us started enjoying beers, it was mostly in. 330 mil bottles was the main size. So we've actually gone up in size. And I've certainly found in, and I'll I'll put it down to lockdown. I think think lockdown has caused this, is that my drinking habits has definitely changed. And I don't really know at what point, but there, there was certainly a point where maybe, I, I I would I would I would be at home and just think I'm just gonna I'm gonna finish the evening off and have a nightcap as it were or something and I would pick something out of my stash and it would be like a nine percent barley wine you know something something like this that I'm having now but this isn't a four hundred and forty mil can and the reason I'm not having this anymore unless it's on the podcast and this is pretty much why I wanted this from the sellers part of the show is to try and get rid of some of these beers because i've got so many beers in in my stash at the minute that i'm like but when am i ever going to have a 440 mil barley wine because that is pretty much a night yeah like you're committing yourself to an evening there of being 
a bit wobbly, a bit off topic. Whereas there was something about 330 mil that didn't feel like that, but that extra 110 mil was just a bit too much. And so I, I go through my stash all the time just going, well, I don't fancy that. And so my stash, but then I buy them because when I look at it, I'm just like, well, that sounds really nice. But then there's never there's never an opportune time, time to drink them because they're in such big sizes. But what I do think is if they were in small sizes, 250 mil, there is a much bigger chance that I'd be like, as a, again, as a sort of nightcap thing, as it were, just be like, I quite fancy that Imperial Stout, that barley wine, that barrel-aged whatever it is. I, c I can have one of those. But 440 mil is, is a night. It's... It's over a half a bottle of wine. It's a lot of a lot to commit to an evening. Yeah. And I find myself, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I find myself just with these beers in the stash that just sit there for a while that I've bought that are like fourteen percent. I'm like, when when am I ever going to drink that? I don't know why it, it sounded nice, but at no point am I just. What 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 time on a Tuesday am I just gonna be like yeah I'm just gonna have I'm gonna have that fourteen percent beer it's not gonna happen so so when does it go Yeah for me like those sort of beers are the beers that like historically I I drink them when I'd been out perhaps all afternoon and it's into the evening and uh, I just feel like doing something a bit daft and ordering these strong beers you know what this like. 250 mil, I can understand why perhaps that's not enough for some beers. It's not necessarily by by percentage, like say a, a double IPA that's the same percentage as an imperial stout that is basically an alcoholic syrup. I'm much more likely to want to drink a large measure of, of a double IPA than something that is really sweet all all the adjuncts that sort of thing so for for me a two 250 milliliter can definitely has a place for those more decadent beers well um guzzler i don't know if you listen um i don't know if that tweet was meant for us or whether you were just using the hashtag but there's your answer there's what there's what we think about the the, the 250 mil cans. The, the other point that I wanted to discuss this month, and I, I don't want this to come across as, as being a negative rant or a negative space at the end of the podcast, because it's, it's not that, um, obviously recently people that have been following the story of Callum Island brewery over the last, um, few months where they closed and then they were, they were bought by a, uh, partnership of people involved in, in in beer and events one of which was Simon Webster from Thornbridge um, and now Thornbridge are essentially brewing Callum Island beers under the Callum Island name and, and branding uh, they started bringing their beers back just before Christmas uh, no, no they started bringing their beers back recently uh and then this month they've they've dropped uh the new branding for for Callum island brewery uh because the beer power rider in particular is is going out in the uh thornbridge beer club box this this month to thornbridge subscribers and the the, the new branding personally i think is terrible uh I, I think it's lost everything that was iconic about uh the kellam island 
Brewery, in particular Power Rider as, as as well, used to have a very iconic light blue label um, with, with a, a guy riding a horse. Uh, and although they've kept a silhouette of that on, on, on the new branding, it's now this abomination of colours and straight lines, which is very, very, very difficult to actually make out what the brewery even is. And as I said, I don't, I don't want this to be a, a, a negative space where we just sort of rant on Callum Island and, and, and what the branding as what's happened to the branding. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on sort of breweries changing branding and how it then potentially appeals to old new drinkers, uh, why they may have made that change or all, all those sorts of things. So just then any, any thoughts that either of you might want to share on this one? This this is a smaller brewery version of like Marston's taking on, you know, Thwaites beers or something like that. When 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 beers get absorbed, a lot a lot of and I knew this would happen with Kellam Island. You know, no, I love Thornbridge. I'm still a Thornbridge subscriber. I'm going to get this Kellam Island Pale Rider in my next box next month. Because, you know, as I say, I, I'm a subscriber, but it is just a, well, I want to say a smaller brewery. I suppose Thornbridge are quite big now. They've got a lot of bars across the place and stuff like that. But this is just what happens when breweries that are, are bigger ob- ob- absorb the brands of smaller ones. And this this is all we're seeing. This is just, uh, we, we can try and deny it, but that is what it is. This is what it is when, this, when we've seen it before with a lot of Marston's, Wells, brands, things like that. This is what happens. And I don't like it. Um, but if people were desperate for Kellam Island to continue, this is the only iteration it's going to continue in. So... It's interesting that you mentioned Marston's there because it actually when when Steve shared um, the post with the new branding with me, I didn't actually click at first what it was actually for. So I think I was busy with something else. But then when I realised that it was for Power Rider, it did actually remind me of um, when Marston's kind of rebranded themselves. It's a few years ago now. Oh, God, but, yeah. But they, yes. were, but they were clearly just trying to appeal to perhaps a more modern audience. So to me, it's like Thornbridge are trying to get more interested in what is really, like you think of Kellam Island and Power Rider, that was kind of a more traditional brewery and sort of beer that, that kind of did get a lot of love from like the, the, the craft beer community. So... I don't know, for me, as a person who really has appreciated that beer for a good few years now, I liked the nostalgia of the uh, old branding, that pale blue, and as you say, the, the actual the, the rider on it. And now it's like, I'm thinking about this. I don't understand how it relates to the beer at all this 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 new label with like a dark darker blue and it's re- it's it's really just very much and you, you said this steve actually it's very much like aldi does craft beer sort of thing that that's that's what that's the sort of vibe i get and 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 i feel like it's it, it's clearly been designed to you know thornbridge obviously have beers in supermarkets and they've started putting beers back into 500 mil bottles 
power riders in a 500 mil bottle it's clearly going into supermarkets the, the 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 issue i've got is the new branding doesn't make it stand out on the shelf with with all the other branding that's there now yes maybe the old branding was a bit too old uh and a bit too traditional for some people but let's not i suppose ultimately at the end of the day let's try not to get away from the fact that as long as the what's inside the bottle is still power rider and it's still really tasty then we should be happy that it still exists regardless of what's wrapped around it on the outside yeah i just feel like they might i i feel like they might alienate their older drinkers people that have drunk power rider for years who would go into a bar and see that pump clip and have no idea what it was and therefore just pass it up yeah as you say it's like i'm i'm not like angry about it i'm a bit sad just because the nostalgia of liking the old branding i'm still gonna drink the beer but if i if i had gone into a pub and saw that pump clip and if there's other things going on there's a good chance that I wouldn't realise what it was, and I would go for something else. Whereas if there's a if there is a Callum Island Pale Rider cask pump around, that's a beer that I want to drink several pints of. Absolutely. And that to me, that new label is not telling me that at all. It's not even if you're just a, a random punter. I just don't think it's really. Um, it's it's not standing out enough. I, don't, I think between the two of you, you've. you've hit the nail on the head and also missed the point a couple of times. <laughs> so I, I'm going to use a, a football analogy that might go over your heads, but maybe the listeners will hear it. It's a bit like when Liverpool re-signed Robbie Fowler because he was God and we couldn't possibly pass up on the opportunity of signing Robbie Fowler from Liverpool's point of view. But when he wasn't actually as good as Robbie Fowler of old, it was like, uh, how, how do we make this work? So the fact is, Thornbridge Breweries, Thornbridge as a company loved Pale Rider and couldn't let that go. They couldn't let it go, so they saved it because they couldn't let it go. Absolutely brilliant. That's a a lovely thought. And then they kept it going. And then seeing Pale Rider in Thornbridge's bars was also lovely. Going into Banker's Cat and things like that and seeing Pale Rider on was just like... You know, and just under its old branding, but being a Thornbridge beer, but it being still actually kept as a Kellen Island beer was just like, this is still wonderful. But again, that's a novelty that dies off very quickly. And you're now relying on keeping that brand slash beer alive. Is it is it selling all year round? Because the beers that don't sell all year round become seasonals with Thornbridge or one-offs or... You know, you, you, well, all a one month kind of like seasonals. So we need to f- think of a new thing, and that's obviously what they're doing. Now, I agree; it's absolutely hideous, and I don't like it at all, and I don't think it'll work. But I also don't think doing. I think doing nothing also wouldn't have worked. I think the novelty would have died off quite quickly for them saving Kellum Pale Rider, and people would have just been like. But actually, I quite like Crackendale, and I quite like Jaipur, which are on the stronger side of things. Or actually, I'd prefer a, a Wild Swan or something weaker, or a, a Brother Rabbit. So I don't know what the future for Pale Rider would have been. They needed to do something. I just don't think this was the answer. But I do think they needed to do something. I think it was going to die. The novelty was going to die off quite quickly. 
I think it's worth mentioning as well that, like, obviously amongst ourselves, we're not a fan of the new branding, but then there's it's like the audience they're going for, perhaps it's people who, as we, we've mentioned the word like supermarket, that's perhaps more of the audience potentially in the, in the future. But um, friends of ours who are very clued up in this uh, this world of beer, obsessing over um, malt beverages, we're, other people have actually quite liked the branding. Well, I know Johnny Beer Boy was was a big fan of it, so be interesting to um, hear from listeners what what they feel about the, the new the new branding on on those bottles going out in the Thornbridge box. Yeah, well, we'll we'll put a put a link in the show notes to the the tweet that shows the new branding. And yeah, listeners, let's let's know what you think of it, and 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 we'll we'll feature that next month in re reverberations in 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 terms of the, the the split of those that those that like it and those that hate it and those that are completely ambivalent and think we've just wasted the last fifteen minutes of their <laughs> life talking about it. And then the joke is on you because you listen to it. You <laughs> yes, you had no choice. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Beer O'Clock Show for all the latest updates on the show and what I'm up to. Mark, where can listeners find you? They can find me at beercongregation.co.uk or at Mark N. Johnson on Twitter or at Mark underscore beer underscore congregation on Instagram. And I am just Rob underscore Edwards90 on twitter and instagram and yeah i'll post some stuff so i'm mainly posting about the wmba at the moment so that might not be of interest to you but yeah i, I do beer stuff sometimes well, there's links to all of that in the show notes so you can follow us all over the place and remember you can use the hashtag belonging or check in the show notes for the link to the speak pipe voicemail to get involved in future shows thanks for joining us for another episode of belonging we hope you've enjoyed the show and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on the things we've been chatting about cheers Cheers, Cheers and, guys. And get hold of a can of a Lucy Bruin and unbarred Corvallis. <laughs> Still banging that drum. Oh, yeah. <laughs>